Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's January 11th, Tuesday. Our catechesis now resumes uh, with where we left off, oh, who knows how long ago, probably back in November, I would say, um, when we were studying Second Kings. Let's go back and look. There's Second uh, Kings, the November, the week of November 14th. That's when we left off on that. We were also doing continuous readings uh, through the book of First Corinthians. Um, we left off with chapter 11, so that's where we'll pick up there as well. All right, so Second Kings chapter 6. But first, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse. Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Mark 10, verses 14 through 15. All right, our psalm this week is Psalm 141. Uh, you might recognize the psalm. We prayed it yesterday, but I recognize it from the service of evening prayer, which we've used in Advent um, and in Lent periodically over the last few years. All right, you might use it again. It leaves out a good chunk of it. Um, it really only focuses on verses one through three and maybe the last couple of verse, the last verse. All right, that middle section is left out. And you might think about why. <laughs> I don't think it's appropriate, but still. All right. Well, Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry t- or I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds, in company with men who work iniquity, and let me not eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me, it is kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Yet my prayer is continually against their evil deeds. When their judges are thrown over the cliff, then they shall hear my words, for they are pleasant. As when one plows and breaks up the earth, so shall our bones be scattered at the mouth of Sheol. For my eyes are toward you, O O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, good. Our first reading then, as I said, is from 1 Corinthians 11, picking up where we left off back in November. Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, 
brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, that for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But it is shameful, or if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created from for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from the, from man, even so man comes through woman. But all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. There ends the reading. All right, we talked at length about this reading when we had our Wednesday evening uh, online-only Bible study, and uh, I'll refer you to that. Oh, I don't know. How hard would it be to find? Let's see if we can find it quickly. Um, that uh, there's argument among the churches and among different traditions as to how literally to take uh, this reading, right? You know, does does it mean that um, it is improper for women to uh, not wear head coverings, like a head scarf, uh, when in church? Or uh, is it appropriate for her to have short hair, right? Um, the uh, argument is that this is uh, this is a cultural um, context. So Paul is talking about some traditions that are particular to their context, to their context, and for the benefit of their context, right? But also that they teach something about um, the nature of creation, the order of creation, we might say. All right, so 1 Corinthians 11, uh, we, d- we covered this back in July, actually, I found it. All right, so um, you can, yeah, I'll send this to you. Um, I urge you to go and, and listen to that again. You can read the or listen to the whole thing uh, for more detail. All right, and uh, hear the different kinds of interpretation of this reading. Uh, but overall, I think what we you, what you do want to draw from this, of course, is that the um, that there is an ordering to creation. Of course, God the Father being the head, His Son um, being subordinate to the Father. All right, um, ordered under the Father. Uh, both are God, and yet the Son is submissive to His Father. God the Father, um, and then of course man being the head of the home, the head of the household, the head of the congregation, um, thereby is subordinate to, to Jesus, right? Says and does nothing contrary to Christ in his word, right? And then the woman is subordinate to the to the husband, to the father, right? Um, and that she does not contradict him, right? But that they work together in um, unity of purpose and raising children, teaching the faith, etc., Right. It's always one of these questions, right? Somebody has to be in charge. Uh, and often, well, not too often, but a few times in the Bible, you see the men really drop the ball. And uh, when they do, um, the woman comes along and picks it up. Right, You can think of some prophetesses like that, um, even some queens like that. Right, uh, But generally speaking, it's that's not reflective of the way that God has made us. 
right? We actually mentioned this offhand on Sunday in Bible class um, about, uh, you know, overthrow the patriarchy is actually means overthrow God's word. That's an unpopular opinion, but there we go. All right. It's a pious opinion. And certainly, uh, I think it's indicated by scripture or I wouldn't say it. All right. So again, um, you'll see the link in the uh, comments below, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Odyssey, wherever, um, and go check out that video for more detail on this reading. All right. Our, but our reading for catechesis then today is from Second Kings, beginning in chapter 6, verse 24. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cob of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king! And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or the winepress? Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? And she answered, The woman said to me, Give me, give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, Give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. Now it, ha- it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes, and as he passed by on the wall, the people looked. And there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. And then he said, God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. But Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him. And the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door, hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. Then the king said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. Then they said to one another, what we are doing, uh, or we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. We remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. 
So they went and called the gatekeepers of the city and told them, saying, We went to the Syrian camp, and surprisingly no one was there. Not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied, and the tents intact. And the gatekeepers called out, and they told it to the king's household inside. So the king arose in the night and said to the servants, Let me now tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry, therefore they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of the servants answered and said, Please, let several men take five of the remaining horses which are left in the city. Look, they may either become like a multitude of Israel that are left in it, or indeed, I say, they may become like the multitude of Israel left from those who are consumed. So let us send them and see. Therefore they took two chariots and horses, and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army, saying, Go and see. And they went after them to the Jordan, and indeed all the road was full of garments and weapons which the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a sea of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now, the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate, and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. So it happened that, just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two seahs of barley for a shekel, and a seah of fine flour for the shekels, shall be sold tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. Then the officer um, had answered the man of God and said, Now look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. All right. Looks like we've got some uh, internet bandwidth issues. Let's see if it comes back here. All right, there it came back. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. All right, well, you may not be able to see me very well, but hopefully you can hear me just fine. All right. All right, let's try this. So, some catechesis. Who was the king uh, in Aram? That is Syria. His name was Ben-Hadad, right? Um, Why was the famine an ongoing problem in Samaria? Well, it's because that king of Syria, Aram, had laid siege to uh, the city. How serious was the famine? It says there, a donkey's head was sold for an 80 shekels of silver, uh, and a quarter of a cab of seed pods, or dove droppings, was five shekels. All right. Um, donkey's head, you can go back and read Deuteronomy, a donkey's head, because of cloven hoof, um, that was an unclean animal, not to be eaten. All right. So people were eating unclean animals and eating unclean food. Seed pods um, is the right translation there, verse 25. Uh, and that should remind us of a parable. That would be the parable of the prodigal son. Remember that? Yeah. The prodigal son who longed to eat the pods um, that they would feed the pigs with. That's right. Um, another translation, of course, there you have is uh, dove droppings, right? What was the evil that the king discovered? Yeah, we have uh, women eating their sons. Pretty incredible, right? Uh did the king tear his robes as an act of repentance, do you think? It says he tore his robes. Uh, no, I don't think so, because of how he, uh, what he promises to do to the man of God, right? Uh, to take his head, take off his head. Who was with Elisha in the house? It says there, the elders. 
Um, notice what Elisha calls him, this king. Son of a murderer. Son of a murderer. Right. So what does uh, Elisha tell the elders to do? Yeah, to shut the door tight against um, the messenger and hold it shut until the master comes. And Elisha promises then um, to, says to the king, I suppose, and to the officer, that about that same time the next day, uh, a sea of flour would be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Quite unbelievable if you think about how expensive that would have been that day. Of course, who is the one that challenges Elisha? Yeah, it's there. It's the officer on whose arm um, the king leaned. The officer says, in, in unbelief, right? Um, if you would make the windows of heaven, if the Lord can make windows of heaven or open them, how could this happen, right? Yeah. Of course, the floodgates or the windows of heaven, that should sound familiar to us. You go back to Genesis 8, right? Another connection with an event that was hard to believe. It's when the Lord opened the heavens at the at the flood, right? Rain came down for 40 uh, days. I think there's another example. Let's uh, check this out. This would be Isaiah 24. Uh, scroll down a little bit. Yeah, here we go. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon you, O inhabitant of the earth. And it shall be that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he who comes up from the midst of the pit shall be caught in the snare. For the windows from on high are open and the foundations of the earth are shaken. All right. Um, what, so there you have the flood, the heavens being opened as a sign of judgment, right? What warning does Elisha give to the officer? Well, yes, you will see it, but you will not eat of any of it. All right. Um, then we have these four lepers, right? Remember what leprosy is. Uh, it produces like a scaly condition on the skin. I guess it's like psoriasis a little bit. Uh, led people to be classified as unclean under God's judgment. In the, in the Bible, though, it really does include any number of um, ailments and diseases of the skin. All right, so psoriasis would have been included, but uh, can be other kinds of skin-borne uh, bacterial infections, etc. All right, four lepers. Four is not coincidental, I think. Yeah, four is the number of the gospel. And of course, the gospel is the good news that makes all things clean, forgiven. Why did the uh, lepers go to the camp of the Arameans? Kind of give you their logic there, don't they? Well, if you go... Uh, if they don't, if they go into the city, they're going to die. If they stay where they are, they're going to die. If they go to the Syrians, they might be fed or they might die. You know, so better just to surrender and uh, play the odds, right? Um, but they are surprised the Arameans have fled, right? Why did the Arameans flee the camp? We have the editorial note here, right? The Lord caused, verse 6, the uh, army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of har uh, horses and the noise of great armies, right? Uh, this should sound familiar to us, although it would have been a while ago. We just had a story about this, but again, it was the middle of November, so you probably don't remember it. Um, in 2 Kings 6, verse 17, Elisha prayed uh, and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of, and of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha, right? So the Lord fights for Elisha. <clears throat> we also had back in 2 Kings chapter 2, remember, um, the armies of the host of the Lord, they were blowing through the trees, right, and causing the sound of an army 
as the trees uh, made their noise. Um, that actually happens here. You've got this row of um, pine trees and then um, uh, more, you know, decif what is it, deciduous trees in the back, uh, right? And when it gets really windy between those two, it makes a really an incredible noise in the back. All right, so I get it. <laughs> but here it's the Lord, Lord causes that sound for them to hear it, right? Um, what did the Arameans think? Yeah, they thought that it was the uh, king of Israel that had hired Hittites and Egyptians to come and attack them. Uh, so they fled at dusk. They abandoned their tents, their horses and donkeys, left their camp as it was. This should sound familiar, again, back in uh, Judges chapter 7. So we read that this summer, right? When the Lord threw the Midianites into confusion, destroyed them by the hand of Gideon and the 300 men. So what did these lepers do in the camp? Yeah, it says that they ate and drank and they carried off silver, gold, and clothes. Um, they did it twice, but then they realized that it's probably really not good, uh, right, to keep the good news to themselves, so they reported it to the royal palace. Uh, but the king of Samaria, does he believe? No, he does not. Yeah, he thought that the Arameans were hiding to trap Israel and then enter the city. So, But the king reluctantly, uh, by way of his servant, follows that instruction and sends uh, two chariots and their horses into Go check it out, right? And they found, as far as the Jordan River, clothing and weapons thrown away by the fleeing Syrians. Right? Really important phrase here in verse 16 to be considered. Yeah, according to the word of the Lord. According to the word of the Lord, right? It's all done according to God's word by way of his messenger, right? By way of Elisha. And thus what happened to the officer at the gate just as Elisha had foretold, the people trampled him at the, in the gateway and he died, right? So he, he saw the plunder, but he did not get to uh, receive of it. All right. Uh, as we should do with these sorts of stories, um, obviously they're, they're quite real. <laughs> they do indicate uh, the sort of things that actually happen in real life in this world still, even to this day, right? But we want to see God's hand at play here. But the other thing that we need to do, especially when we read the scriptures, is to take Jesus seriously when he says that all scripture testifies of him, all right? Um, so how does this lead us to confess Christ, <laughs> right? Um, as, as wild and crazy a story as it is, all right? So here's a meditation to help with that. Once more, we hear of God graciously feeding his people according to his word. It is fitting that the walking dead become the messengers of God's deliverance from famine. The king was nothing but a murderer who served the murderer, the devil. As God conquers the enemy, he cares for and feeds a people who deserve none of his favor. Hear how the chariots and horses of Israel were behind the deliverance to bring life to his people. So now the man of God has come with the chariots and horses of Israel and destroyed the enemy in his death at the cross. He spreads before us the spoils of war and the feast of his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. He is now the king who gives us life. The two uh, leper episodes here, chapter 7, but also back in chapter 5, point us to the sacraments of baptism, so the cleansing of the leper in, in 2 Kings 5, and now the feasting of the lepers in 2 Kings 7. So, baptism and the Lord's Supper. It's all there. Speaking of baptism, let's confess. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word, which is that word of God. Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. What benefits does baptism give? It works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, 
and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, as the words and promises of God declare. Which are these words and promises of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. We pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you that for Jesus' sake, baptism works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives salvation to all who believe this as your words and promises declare. Comfort us and strengthen our faith in Jesus with the promise that whoever believes in him and is baptized will be saved. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O Lord, mercifully receive the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that they both perceive and know what things they ought to do and also may have grace and power faithfully to fulfill the same. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. On this day, we pray for deliverance against temptation and evil. We pray for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. We also pray uh, today with Scarlett, who celebrates her baptism. We pray for Randy, uh, Joseph and Andrea, Al, Jerome, Ron, and Tom, who all um, are in our households of prayer this week. Pray for those ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Frank, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, Janice, and Colin, Ken, Norm, Sandy, Kathy, Jim, Elaine, and Mike. We pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially for kindred heart families. Pray an intercession for preservation of God's word amongst us and the increase of the church. And we continue to pray for those grieving, especially the family and friends of Roy Herms. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Yesterday, I neglected uh, to recognize a commemoration, so why don't we do that today? Well, that was my oversight. I'd like to do it on the day of, but we missed it, but that's okay. All right, so yesterday was the commemoration of Basil of the Great of Caesarea, Gregory of Nazianzus, and Gregory of Nyssa, pastors and confessors. Basil and the two Gregories, collectively known as the Cappadocian Fathers, were leaders of Christian Orthodoxy in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, in the latter part of the 4th century. Basil and Gregory of Nyssa were brothers. Gregory of Nazianzus was their friend. All three were influential in shaping the theology ratified by the Council of Constantinople in AD 381, which is expressed in the Nicene Creed. Their defense of the doctrines of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Trinity, together with their contributions to the liturgy of the Eastern Church, make them among the most influential Christian teachers and theologians of their time. We pray. Almighty God, you reveal to your church your eternal being of glorious majesty and perfect love as one one God in trinity of persons. May your church, with Bas- our bishops like Basil of Caesarea, Gregory of Nazianzus, and Gregory of Nyssa, receive grace to continue steadfast in the confession of the true faith and constant in our worship of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who live and reign, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, 
that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. Many apologies for uh, our internet connection. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll replace this video later with a higher quality version. Uh, I don't know. It just comes and goes as far as the speed, the bandwidth. So it is. All right. So let's uh, sing our hymn for the day. Jesus once with sinners numbered. Jesus once with his sinners numbered Had no blemish of his own In the Jordan, waters of the Jordan His true worth and work were shown Heaven opened and the Spirit There descended like a dove as the Father's voice resounded, Hear, my Son, the one I love. John confessed him as the Savior, Look, the sinless Lamb of God. Yet he dared not lose the sandals, of the one God's love had shown. Oh, how fair the feet of Jesus, bringing news of peace to us. Christ, the herald of salvation, preaching mercy from the cross. This the baptism that our Savior greatly longed to undergo. This the crimson cleansing needed, so the world God's love might know. This the mission of Messiah, as he stepped from Jordan's stream. Chosen and anointed, Son of God sent to redeem. Jesus once with his sinners numbered, all obedience was your path. You by death have consecrated. Water in the saving path. 
Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Uh, you can join us again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., and uh, we'll have Jehu the Avenger, <laughs> the Avenger of Blood. All right, uh, so let's begin with more stories from Elisha. We're going to skip ahead a few uh, chapters. All right, so Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. Uh, thanks for your patience through the internet uh, foibles there. Uh, out of our control, someday the broadband expansion will reach us. The money has been given or allocated, but the money has not been spent, apparently, because nothing has actually happened, <laughs> whether from uh, um, Spectrum or from uh, our local provider. They've not done anything, so I don't know where the money's going. Maybe they're waiting till the spring. Who knows? All right, so uh, God's blessings to you today and always, and uh, remember um, that the, Jesus always wins, right? So there you go. Lord be with you. See ya.